0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Blue Wire.
1: Welcome to Cash Considerations of Chicago Bulls Podcast, Jason.
2: The Bulls are picking 7th overall in the NBA draft. Again, lucky number seven, third straight year. Uh, the Bulls entered the lottery, hoping to get that 12.5% chance of the number one pick in Zion Williamson. And instead of moving up, they moved down three spots at lucky number 7. It was a pretty wild lottery. Uh, we saw the Lakers move up from 11 to number 4. I think a lot of people were already getting on the Lakers conspiracy rigged train there, but they ended up at number 4 and then the Pelicans move up to number one. Apparently Anthony Davis still wants out, but the Pelicans probably going to end up with Zion Williamson. They interviewed Zion right afterwards and he didn't seem that excited about it. But I mean, New Orleans is a cool place and I, I really wish Davis would stay like a Zion, uh, AD, uh, front court duo would be fucking great. But, uh, moving on from there, yeah, back to the bulls. Uh, yeah. Number seven. That's certainly not exciting. I know a lot of fans are, are probably pretty upset tonight, uh, after hoping to get up to number 1 in Zion or hoping to get even number 2 to have a shot at John Morant or something like that so to fall three spots to number 7 although the bulls have had success the last couple of years drafting number 7 w- when they got Lowry marketing and last year with Wendell Carter Jr really nice players Obviously, after the year that they just went through going 22 and 16 suffering through a bunch of bullshit to fall three spots is just is just really going to be tough to handle for a lot of fans doesn't mean I don't think it means they're totally doomed or anything. Like they still have some nice young pieces. They can still draft a nice player at number seven. Maybe they look to make a trade, but it's uh it's definitely tough right now. What are you thinking? Well, I think that, you know, if the
1: Bulls' plan was to try to find a player better than Jimmy Butler when they traded Jimmy Butler, that was the goal, wasn't it, Jason? When they traded Jimmy Butler, it was under the guise of, yes. well, Jimmy Butler can't be the best player on a championship team. So then I think that that meant when they traded him that they were trying to acquire a player who is better than Jimmy Butler. Well, Jason, that is going to be a long ass search because they're not going to find a player better than Jimmy Butler at number seven. I actually really like Wendell Carter Jr. as listeners of the podcast know him high on Larry Markkinen. And I think the Bulls will have uh, another, you know, another—they'll uh, have the opportunity to draft another good player this year at number seven. There's definitely a few guys who are already piquing my interest that we'll talk about on this podcast. Uh, but you know, for the Bulls, they didn't hit the grand slam, which would have been Zion Williamson. Perhaps Ja Morant would have been a home run if they could have moved up to number two. Uh, instead, I think the Bulls are in the same position they have found themselves in the last two years, and that's just trying to hit a double. Now, if you can hit a double every single year in the draft, obviously the odds are way stacked against any team from doing that, just given the volatility of the draft process itself. Uh, But if they can do that, they can build a pretty good team. They can build a team that, I don't know, can maybe have a ceiling of a second round playoff out in the Eastern Conference, which is just about what they would have had if they would have kept Jimmy Butler and surrounded him with some good players. Now, obviously, Butler... You know, that move, I think, was always uh, meant to... It was always motivated yeah. by the fact that they didn't want to pay him the big contract him. this summer. They traded right. him two years early so that they could get some value. I think they got pretty good value for Butler. Uh, and, you know, they might end up even winning that trade. I'm hesitant to say they've won it already. In my opinion, both teams lost that trade <laughs> uh, with Jimmy Butler going to the Timberwolves, but...
2: I guess the Sixers won it at this point. I know they're a second round exit too, but like if Jimmy stays, I guess I think, maybe the Sixers won the trip. Yeah, I think everyone
1: lost <laughs> is, the, is the most accurate take. But uh, you know, the Bulls just have to keep trying to draft good players at number seven. Now, what uh, this is reminding me of is when they had Ben Gordon, they had Kirk Heinrich, they had Lou Aldang, they got Noah, who obviously developed past anyone's uh, you know expectations. With I think he was the ninth pick. Yes, uh, that that's just the situation the Bulls are going to be looking at right now. They need to just build a decent team, but really the entire the entire thing is uh it's so damning of just their process, let alone the results. Like they can sit here and they can cry about the fact that you know they didn't get lucky in the lottery. The Bulls said that you need to get lucky. Paxson said this, but he also said that you know they're not counting on it. Well, guess what, dude? You didn't get lucky. And now this is on you to build this team because you had a superstar in Jimmy Butler, one of the 10 or 15 best players in the league during his last year on the Bulls, in the prime of his career, in his late 20s, in his mid-20s, mid-20s. On a well below market contract. And what did you do? You went out and gave Dwayne Wade $37 million for one year. You signed Rajon Rondo. You basically made these moves that anyone with half a fucking brain knew were bad moves at the time. This isn't even hindsight. The Bulls were the laughingstock of the NBA during that summer of 2016, was it? And I still think the summer of 2016 haunts the Bulls to this day with the Bulls getting the seventh pick in this draft. There's no savior on the way. Zion Williamson is not coming. Uh, I never thought John Morant was going to be a savior in the first place, but he's not coming either. Instead, the Bulls are going to be left with – Some talented but flawed players who they really just have to hope can be, you know, quality starters for them and they can continue to move this rebuild forward. Little piece by little piece, there is no quick fix on the way, Jason. And I think uh, in general, this is a disastrous result for the Bulls, but it's not really about the result. It's about the process. And the Bulls process was always deeply messed up from the very beginning.
2: I've tried like very hard to move past Speltler trade. I mean, I get why they did it when they, when they did it, whatever that was two years ago, 2017, right? Draft night. I was like, whatever. I I get why they're doing it. Blah, 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 blah. It still does irk me to this day. Like you talk about the summer of 2016 signing Wade and Rondo. Like they talked a big game about how they didn't give out like big contracts. Like other teams did screw up that summer with some of those big contracts, like Joe Kim, Noah, Moz like those huge kind Like the Lakers screwed up that summer as well. But like, the bulls like made a big stink about how they didn't like, they didn't, they kept their flexibility with those short-term deals, but they basically screwed themselves out of like, I feel like that those moves themselves basically screwed themselves out or almost forced them. I don't want to say force them, but basically led them down the line to trading Jimmy that next summer. It was almost like, well, we're going to like take this one chance here with D Wade and Rondo. And if we can't do anything with it, well then we're just going to rebuild and whatever. And like, I mean, they did. They did have those exciting playoff games against Boston, but I mean, I think that was kind of a fluke. That Celtics team wasn't wasn't actually that good. And, I mean, and part of those games was because Jimmy was awesome. Those first couple of games and Rondo was pretty pulled game, playoff Rondo out of his ass. But it is definitely a shame that we never got to see them tr- actually try to build a team around Jimmy. Like you can say, we well, you know how far would you have actually gone with a team led by Jimmy Butler? It's like I mean, I would have taken a couple of years of maybe 50 win teams. Maybe they fight for fight for a conference final birth like would they have won a title i know the warriors exist so obviously not but like i also would take good basketball and like so now they didn't really try it at all And now we're at this rebuild we're heading into year three uh they've been terrible two seasons in a row and now they have some nice pieces like we've mentioned but now now falling to seven in this draft like like you mentioned like you can get st- star players a number seven but right now looking at the guys that are there like it seems like it's a long shot uh, if the Bulls are going to get somebody at number seven that will turn into that superstar player the Bulls need. And like you talked about, also mentioned like the Heinrich, Gordon, Dang years. like those were fun teams and good stuff like that, but like they didn't and Noah like, but they didn't actually come together until they got that superstar in Derrick Rose, and that's when they and the Bulls kind of took that leap to external elite team. So the Bulls are still probably going to need that like, as much as I like a guy like Lowry, like like Wendell, like like Levine as like individual players in terms of them being. Superstar legitimate two-way studs who can lead teams deep in the playoffs. I'm still not sure about that. I feel like the Bulls still need that. And yeah it's gonna be probably gonna be tough to do that with this with this draft. Uh, so I guess let's let's go dive into this into this draft. I guess first let me oh actually John Paxson did speak tonight. Uh, you brought it Paxson, and he obviously was trying to put on a brave front uh, try to show that they're not disappointed. Uh, a few quotes here from Casey Johnson. He said, I'm always confident we'll find talent at any draft. I uh, tried to find the silver lining that the top three, three of the top four are going out West. And the Knicks didn't wind up with number one. So they won't be able to get Zion or they won't be able to trade it for Anthony Davis. Uh, and then he says, Oh, like we, we like our board. We definitely have more than seven players that we like on our board. I guess, thank God you have more than seven players. I mean, that'd be ridiculous. And then, just talking about staying committed, staying with the staff to get this right. We're going to add another good player in the draft, we're going to spend in free agency, add some vets, and we're going to get I get he did say disappointment. We're going to get over this disappointment. So at least he did say that he was disappointed, which they should be. Uh so yeah, they're going to have to do some work and get somebody at number 7. So I guess do you have any thoughts about any of Paxson's comments here? I mean, it's it's all pretty pretty standard stuff just trying to put on a brave face after a uh, after this kind of disappointment, I mean, John Paxson
1: sucks. He should be fired immediately. He should have been fired well before the lottery results went into you know went went into happening. He should have been fired before the season. Uh, let's talk about some of the options the Bulls have at number seven, though. Because yeah, I just did do a that. mock draft at SB Nation, uh, and I'll you know un- un- pull back the curtain a little bit behind my process. So. I was going to do a mock draft on Monday, and I was going to rig it for the Bulls, because I thought it would get a lot of traffic. I didn't do that, because I kind of thought that it was a little redundant, because I was obviously going to do a mock draft immediately following the lottery results, so I decided to not do the most shameless thing possible, and uh, you know, do two mock drafts in two days, basically. Uh, but... I did keep the order the same. So the whole time while I'm writing this mock draft this morning, I had a time basically just like filling out the player blurbs. The headline was Chicago Bulls win the lottery and win the to design Williamson. And I kept telling myself, if I don't tell anyone about this, if I don't tweet it out, if I don't make a big deal out of it, maybe it's going to happen. Well, I'm an idiot. The Bulls fall to number seven for the third year in a <laughs> row. Uh, and with it, they have some pretty intriguing options. Let's run down the draft really quick. Obviously, Zion to the Pelicans is a no-brainer. Got to say, my heart breaks for Zion Williamson. I would say the biggest loser, if you're going to (laughs) talk winners and losers right now, is Zion Williamson. I mean, New Orleans is one of my favorite cities in the country. I think New Orleans is truly one of the crown jewels of the United States. But that is just not a basketball market at all. It never has been. To me, the NBA probably rigged this shit because the Bulls are making money regardless The Knicks are making money regardless, but like the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, the first two picks, those are markets that like need a a life jacket. Jolt. Right. So, was the lottery rigged? I'm going to say yes, of course. No doubt. (laughs) I don't think it's rigged every year, but I think it was probably rigged this year. So, uh, anyone who actually listens to this podcast can feel free to throw that in my face, but I'll stand by it. I think that the, the NBA <laughs> wanted to save New Orleans as a market And the NBA for all the talk about how market size in the NBA matters more than any other sport. Obviously it does for the players. The league itself is constantly trying to prop up the small markets. They've been doing this for years. So, uh yeah, rigged. Definitely rigged. Alex
2: rigged. <laughs> Ryan Williamson stamp rigged. Second pick, Grizzly. I was gonna say I did mention I did mention that I feel like did you- I'm assuming you watched Zion uh, his interview. He felt- with- I can't remember he who he was interviewing. Right. He
1: was he- so nervous, <laughs> and he just looked like he felt like shit. I mean, there's never been- there's asked- there's never been more evidence to kill the draft yeah. than after that. I mean, how many <laughs> times like, you throw like- these worthless markets? a life vest to prop him up Zion wanted to play in New York you know Mark's- yeah they they asked
2: yeah they asked him like oh you like how do you feel about possibly going to New Orleans he was like oh you know like he like really did not sound excited and he's like oh I've never really been there before it it was kind of painful to watch it was almost just that whole thing is like kind of painful was painful to watch. Was like they kept talking about Zion, like how amazing he was, and he's like sitting right there. Just I feel like he was totally embarrassed the entire time. Like now he's going to the Pelicans, and like Davis is going to be traded. It seems like he's he's not wavering his trade offer. So it's like he's gonna be he's gonna be the next Anthony Davis, where he'll probably like lead him and Drew Holiday will work their ass off to lead the Pelicans to like first or second round exit. Sorry, sorry to our Pelicans podcast out there in the know. Please listen to them; they'll have great stuff. And I'm, I'm getting the top pick, but like, not. Right, yeah, thoughts, I, I, like they are they, they are set up well, but like a couple thoughts here. Yeah.
1: Uh, they the NBA already gift wrapped him Davis when the league bought the fucking team because they didn't have an owner. So the NBA literally bought right. the team before it was eventually sold to the owner of the Saints. Uh, and they already gift-wrapped him Davis, who was up to this point the strongest one-and-done prospect of the decade, and they totally failed with him. Congrats, you won one playoff series in seven years with Anthony Davis. Might as well gift-wrap him the next best prospect of the decade, and Zion Williamson. They're going to screw it up again. And who suffers because of it? It's Zion because of the way the system's set up. He has to spend seven years in that market. Now, with that being said, There is legitimately no better pairing for either player than Davis and Zion. Their games complement each other so well. And with Drew Holiday, I honest to God think that they would be very, very close to being a contender pretty quickly. Because I think Zion is going to be that good. Davis is obviously clearly one of the 10 best players in the league. You could argue he's one of the top five. Drew Holiday is a monster. If they just get a couple wing shooters, I mean, Zion at the four, Davis at the five is a dream come true. But, of course, Anthony Davis shows up for his last <laughs> game with the Pelicans wearing a shirt that says, That's all for <laughs> of Looney Tunes. So, uh, I feel bad for Davis because I feel like Davis, he didn't want to go there either. Like, all these players want to be in big markets, yet the NBA is so... Uh, they're so dead set on like propping up these small markets. It's truly humiliating. Uh, so that whole thing, <laughs> moving on total <laughs> disaster. Grizzlies at two. You got to think they're taking John Morant. Knicks at three. I think they could try to move that pick, but RJ Barrett. Uh, he's the most likely pick there for the Knicks. I think that's the right pick. The draft gets interesting at four with the Lakers. They could go in any way. I could see him taking DeAndre Hunter, Jerick Culver. I could see him taking a point guard in Darius Garland. I could see him even taking Cam Reddish. So the Lakers really hold the keys to this draft at this point. I'm going to write an article on SB Nation tomorrow, sort of chronicling that in my mock draft that just published at SB Nation, I gave them Jarek Culver, who, as listeners know, has been a favorite draft prospect of mine uh, for the last couple of years or for the last couple of months. So uh, we'll, we'll say Lakers, Culver, five. Then I got the Cavs taking DeAndre Hunter. So that leaves the Suns, then the Bulls. The Suns at six, the Bulls at seven. Both teams obviously need a guard. Uh, and that should make the bulls a little nervous having the suns one pick ahead of them. I think that the two names, the bulls are most likely looking at right now, Darius Garland point guard from Vanderbilt, Kobe white guard from North Carolina, more of a combo guard played point guard for North Carolina. Uh, and then if you want to throw in one more name, I think you have to say Cam Reddish uh, who yeah. we can delve into too. So let's go with those three players. Uh, garland, White, Reddish, to me, those are the three most likely selections at number seven, given the fact that the Bulls really need a perimeter player. Dude, if they did not draft Carter last year, and I love Wendell Carter, but if they didn't draft him, I would really be beating drums for Brandon Clark at number seven with Markkinen at the five, uh, Clark at the four. If you could have gotten someone like Trey Young last year to solve your point card woes... I think everything would look totally different for the Bulls right now because Brandon Clark's going to be a stud. With that being said, the Bulls simply don't have room for another front court player, another non-shooter. I would say he almost has to be off their board, which is a little ridiculous because the Bulls still just need raw talent at the end of the day. Uh, but to me, they're, they they got to take a perimeter player, and the three guys are Kobe White, guard from North Carolina, Darius Garland, point guard from Vanderbilt, Cameron Reddish, wing from Duke. Let's go one at a time. Let's start with Darius Garland. So Garland only played five games this year at Vanderbilt. So he's something of a mystery man in this draft. I did see him on the high school circuit playing on Nike's uh, EYBL. When I saw him, I watched him play one game. Uh, There was some debate at the time of who was the best point guard in that class. Uh, Devin Dotson, who went to Kansas, was in the mix uh trey jones obviously who went to duke was in the mix as soon as i saw garland play i thought he was the best point guard in the class i thought that because he was so fast his ball handling was so tight and he could shoot from anywhere with that being said he's one of those guys you see and you're like well that guy's gonna be a killer in college but i don't know if he's gonna be that good of an nba point guard so i think that garland having the injury tore his meniscus Obviously, Bulls fans know there's two ways to repair meniscus. You can either like repair it or you can totally replace it. He had uh, the repair surgery, which is supposed to be better more long-term, and that's why he didn't return for Vanderbilt this season. But him sitting out, Darius Garland sitting out the season, was the best thing that ever could have happened to his draft stock. Because as all these other guys disappointed, especially the freshmen in this class, Romeo Langford bust. Uh, cam reddish, uh, reddish. uh <laughs> now's little bust. Garland is suddenly looking pretty good right now by not doing shit. So genius yeah. move by J- Darius it. Garland, who signed with Clutch Sports, which is Rich Paul and LeBron James's agency. Uh, so let's go over what, what, who Darius Garland is, what he does well. He's from Nashville, I believe. He played at Brentwood Academy. Uh, he chose to go to Vanderbilt to sign with Bryce Drew with the hometown school. This would be like, you know, if Illinois actually landed Julia Locafor, Jabari Parker, or Anthony Davis and one of those guys. Vanderbilt was actually able to keep the hometown kid uh, around. Well, he gets hurt. In those five games, he showed what makes him, you know, intriguing from the potential fit in the modern NBA. But I think he's also got lots of questions. So first of all, uh, what does he do well? He shoots the shit out of the ball. He Shoot the shit out of it. deep range off the dribble. If you think of the league as like a high spread pick and roll league, he's someone who you can never go under a screen against him because he's going to drop a three on your face. So that's going to be Darius Garland's calling card for his entire pro basketball career is going to be his shooting ability off the dribble. So that is unquestionably the number one thing he has going for him. What else does he have going for him? I think that it's a lot up for debate. He finished with more turnovers than assists during his five games at Vanderbilt. Uh, Obviously, very small sample size. But, you know, if he had like Trey Young's passing ability, I would be really intrigued by Darius Garland. And I think then he would unquestionably be a top five pick. We're talking about him being available at number seven right now, because we don't really know how good he is as a facilitator. The other thing that worries me is he's just small. He measured, I believe it's six to 175. Yeah. So he's going to be short. He's going to be weak in terms of his strength. Uh, I don't really see like, even at best, he's going to be a one positional defender in a league where you want to, you know, you want multi-positional defenders and I don't know if he's going to be able to guard any point guards. Is he going to be able to guard Kyrie Irving? He's going to get torched. Is he going to be able to guard Russell Westbrook? He's going to get trucked. He's going to have no chance defensively. The question is, if he's shooting well enough off the dribble, he could have enough offensive value to offset that. And also, like, do any of these point guards play defense? Like Kyrie, Dame Lillard, uh, point guard defense is almost like, it's like the. it doesn't even matter in a sense. It's just so hard to do. I mean, so really hard. shut down guys. It makes you appreciate a guy like Drew Holiday right. a lot. Right, like the he rules can really and the way the game is gone really benefits offensive, like offensive point guards, and so playing defense at the point guard spot is almost impossible. I don't think Garland's going to be a good defensive player, but there's a chance that you know he could potentially defend like staff, where he has quick hands, gets some steals, wrecks some havoc uh, that way. Even if he's not going to be a lockdown guy. I'm really concerned about, like, with that small size, can he finish in the paint at all? Like, who is he going to take off the dribble to beat, you know, for a layup? He's not explosive athletically. I mean, he's pretty much a – I don't want to call him a below-the-rim athlete, but uh, he's, It's like, he's not going to be dunking on people. He's not going to be, like, burning people and then finishing with a dunk. He's, like, a small, skinny point guard who can shoot, which is okay if you're a great passer, but there is no evidence that Darius Garland is a great passer. Perhaps he will turn into one, uh, but as of right now, uh, there's no evidence for that. So to me, you're trying to think of a comparison for Garland. I mean, Trey Young is the obvious physical comparison, and in terms the passing of is- the shooting ability, that matches too. The passing ability is what separates Maybe close. Garland yeah. is a good passer. I mean... We don't know because he barely played. Right, true. Five he only games, played yeah. five games, but his statistical profile, he looks like a shooting guard in a point guard's body. Uh, and then it's like, what kind of point guard could you be? You know, the name that I keep thinking of when I look at Darius Garland is DJ Augustine. DJ Augustine was, I believe, the 10th pick in the draft uh, coming out in, what, 2008? Yeah, 10-0. it's like 9 or 10. It was basically, uh,
2: yeah, that year... I was going to say, that year was basically like if the Bulls would have stayed put, they'd probably end up with D.J. Augustine.
1: Now, D.J. Augustine was just the starter at point guard on a team that went to the playoffs for the first time in a million years in the Orlando Magic. Is D.J. Augustine a bust? I would say no, but he was also out of the league before the Bulls signed him back a few years ago. So if you draft D.J. Augustine with the seventh pick in this draft, it's not moving not the needle very much. It's not exciting. Right. Uh, But I don't don't know why that name keeps popping up to me, but it's just like small guy, can't finish at the rim, not going to defend anyone, not a great passer, but he shoots it. So now that is kind of a pessimistic take on Darius Garland. He definitely has the chance to be better if he proves his passing ability and if he's like really special as a shooter in terms of shooting with volume. So, like, there's a sliding scale for shooters, right? We all know that shooting is probably the most important skill in the NBA right now, Uh, but there's a scale to it. Like, not only do you have to be accurate, but you need to be able to be good enough to get off the volume necessary. Can Darius Garland attempt 10 threes a game? If he can do that, he'll probably be a pretty good player because the three three shot, the three ball is so valuable that just, like, getting him off at that volume is something that could make him really special. So obviously the Bulls need shooting. Uh, I think Darius Garland should be in consideration for them. Uh, and I I kind of doubt he's going to be available. I think he's either going to go four to the Lakers or six to the Suns. Uh, which brings us to our next player. This is who I had the Bulls taking. Kobe. In my mock draft, it's Kobe. Kobe White from North Carolina. <laughs> freshman guard uh listed at six foot five but he looks smaller than that to me kobe white has a gigantic afro he has the best hair in this entire draft class the bulls being the fascist that they are if they were to draft kobe white and make him cut his hair i would just be so done with them forever it would be the last the last evidence i would need to truly abandon the bulls uh but kobe white sort of rules i kind of like kobe white i teased an uh, podcast, this podcast, two episodes ago, that I was considering a hot take that Kobe White, that the Bulls should just take Kobe White, regardless of you know where they land, if it's outside of the top two or top three. Uh, I did a deep dive statistically into his profile, and I'm not totally sure I'm ready to go with that take so strongly, but I I would take him if I were the Bulls for a few different reasons. I mean, at seven. at seven, I mean, why not, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a guard. Is he a true point guard? I don't know. So he was about number 25 in the rankings, in the recruiting rankings. Very few people had him as a one and done. Pretty much no one did. He was entering North Carolina as sort of a combo guard who was more of a two guard. But he had to play point guard for them because North Carolina was losing a four-year starter and Joel Berry to graduation. Uh, and Kobe White was just going to be the guy to take the reins from day one. Now, he actually did show out pretty well uh, in terms of having lead guard instincts. North Carolina played at the fastest tempo of any power conference team in the country. They were number six in America in the tempo rankings. These are the schools in front of them. Florida International, Eastern Kentucky, Savannah State, Texas Southern, and Marshall. So there are five low major schools in front of him. North Carolina played really, really, really fast. And Kobe White was the engine that drove that offense all year long. I don't think he's special as a passer. He had a 24.5 assist rate, which ranked number 215 in the country. To put that in perspective, uh, that's probably making him project as someone who averages like six assists per game as an NBA guard or five assists per game as an NBA guard. Uh, But what I really liked about him is that he was able to make plays in transition, both as a passer and as a scorer. Uh, That wasn't totally backed up in the statistics. He finished in the 41st percentile in terms of points per possession in transition offense, Uh, But in terms of his overall offense, he ranked very good in the 65th percentile at 0.93 points per possession. So I really like Kobe White's ability to, you know, push the ball in transition by like forcing transition opportunities, even after made baskets. That's how North Carolina played. I think that Kobe White does have some nice passing ability in terms of like the hit ahead pass, the go ahead pass to sort of spark the offense. I don't know if he's going to be someone who makes like fantastic reads in the pick and roll and is dropping dimes the way that Trey Young does, but I think he's a capable passer. What Kobe White is really good at is catch and shoot opportunities. is a spot up shooter, he was in the 95th percentile in the country, averaging 1.25 points per possession on the season. So basically he's elite in catch and shoot opportunities. I think that that is really, really valuable uh, for any team in the NBA. So now is he a true point guard or is he more of a combo guard? He's very skinny. They list him at 6'5". I bet he's closer to 6'3". But what if he turns into like Eric Gordon? Now Eric Gordon's obviously really strong, but Gordon also kind of has the size of a point guard. He's sort of a combo-ish guard who mostly has made his living taking catch and shoot threes, at least with Houston. Now Gordon is also much stronger with the ball going to the basket. Uh, He's just stronger physically in general. And I think that, you know, it's definitely not a perfect comparison. But if you look at the playoffs this year, guys who can, you know, attack the defense off the dribble, hit, catch, and shoot shots, attack a closeout, those are the guys that are really valuable. And for that reason, I really like Kobe White. He does have a couple things that are concerning about him, particularly his accuracy shooting dribbles off the jump or shooting jumpers off the dribble. According to Synergy, he only finished in the 27th percentile in off-the-dribble offense, off-the-dribble jumpers, I should say, which ranked below average. He was only averaging 0.62 points per possession. So basically, when Kobe White's pulling up off the dribble, he wasn't very good. When he was catch-and-shoot, he was great. He was as good as any guard in the country. Uh, Now, the the off-the-dribble jumper, to me, that's something that can definitely improve. Here's a 19-year-old kid, it's like, Can he learn how to play with speed and balance at the same time? Because shooting off the dribble is mostly, I think, about balance, like being able to center yourself, being able to not rush your shot. Uh, I think that that's something a young player can learn. And if he does learn to shoot off the dribble, then that could potentially unlock even more avenues for him being a great offensive player. Defensively, I don't think he's going to do too much. But what I like about Kobe White is, Jason, this is going to be our first look ahead at the 2020 draft. The 2020 NBA draft is loaded with point guards. It's all point guards. So what I like about White is he could potentially be the Bulls point guard of the future, but also you can play him off the ball if you need to as well. Then you could ask, well, how does that fit in with Zach Levine? Well, I mean, if the worst case scenario is that you either trade Levine or maybe White becomes your sixth man, I still don't think that that's a terrible scenario, especially in a draft like this. And with the way the league's going, where when you look at the Rockets, I mean, they were playing CP three Harden, Eric Gordon, Austin rivers, PJ Tucker is their five man lineup where no one was taller than six foot five. Uh, Kobe white, I think sort of fits into the style of basketball that was being played in that series. And that uh, he's a guard who can handle the ball and who can shoot it and who can pass it a little bit. So I really like Kobe White. Also an 80% free throw shooter, so he's money from the line. Uh, these are all good things. I don't think he's a home run pick, but right now Kobe White is my personal favorite to be the Bulls pick at number seven.
2: And then let's talk a little bit about Cam Reddish. Before we get to Reddish, let's uh, let's do a quick uh, quick break here for, our, for a sponsor, and then we'll start talking about Reddish and maybe other possible options the Bulls could uh, go with with that number seven pick. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to match from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, all Blue Wire podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial even without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time and with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, Then that enter promo code blue. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. All right, so back to, yeah, let's let's go to Cam Reddish here. And Cam Reddish is somebody I know a bit more about because I'd watched more Duke than basically... I watched basically Illinois basketball and Duke basketball this past year and Illinois basketball was miserable so I paid almost probably closer attention to Duke. So I I watched a good amount of Cam Meredith. Not a big Cam Meredith fan. I feel like it'd be really disappointed if the Bulls got him. Uh well yeah, go into your thoughts about Cam Meredith. He he came in as what he was he the number 3 guy coming in or number 4. I feel like he was it was a lot at one point it was like RJ Zion uh Cam Meredith like in a lot of mock drafts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw Reddish a bit as a high school player. So in 2017, one of my favorite things to cover on the recruiting beat is USA Basketball's Junior mini camp, which happens every October in Colorado Springs. Uh, I've gone to this three years, I think. The first year I went, I wrote about Mo Bombo when he was a sophomore. I just saw him and I'm like, this guy's the next big thing. Wrote about Josh Jackson as a high school player. Uh, wrote a big profile on Zion. Uh, that I've re-socialed a couple times this week. But I also did one on Reddish, and I have to say, I thought Reddish was the best player at that camp when I was there. I thought he looked like uh, the type of player who was custom-built for the NBA. Such long arms, such a natural stroke as a catch-and-shoot guy, could also shoot off the dribble. At the time, everyone was talking about how he played point guard in high school at West Town in Philadelphia, where he was raised. Uh, He was the first of Duke's big three to commit. So I think that when Cam Reddish committed, he thought that he was going to follow in that lineage of Jabari Parker, Brandon Ingram. Uh, We could throw Justice Winslow in there. Jason Tatum is like these big wings who would eventually go on to be top five picks in every case, but uh, Winslow's. For whatever reason, it just didn't happen for Cam Reddish this year. And there were a lot of reasons for that. Uh, what we thought was going to be this big, smooth wing who could score from all three levels of the floor and was drawing comparisons to Paul George and Tracy McGrady. Oh, no. Those comparisons looked so bad right away because Cam Reddish proved himself that he just wasn't that elite of an athlete like those guys. I mean, he wasn't even close. Reddish, if you look at his statistics, he struggled to score inside the arc so badly this year on two-point shots. He shot 39%. He was still able to hit threes. He only hit
2: 33% of his threes. Yeah, he wasn't even that good on threes either. And his shot looks nice, I feel like, but just like the results weren't there. He
1: was a good free throw shooter, though, 77%. So, like, what are the issues with Cam Reddish? First of all, not that athletic. And then the bigger issue to me is I think he's just not a smart player. I think he has a very poor feel for the game. Uh, He looked like someone who, you know, when he was finally getting the ball, it looked like, well, now I got to do something because I rarely get the ball. Like, this is clearly the Zion and RJ show. RJ's out here just totally taken over the offense, every opportunity he gets. Zion's clearly the greatest player anyone's ever seen. So when Reddish actually got the ball, it was like, well, I'm going to freak out and throw up some bullshit. Uh, so I think he's kind of a, a not a very smart player. I think he has a low feel for the game. I don't think he's very athletic. With that being said, the stat that tends to translate the best from college to the NBA is steal rate. His steal rate was really good at 3%, <clears throat> and that's because he has really long arms and he has good instincts. So he's someone who can defend multiple positions. He's someone who's going to give you takeaways to turn defense into offense uh, just by getting in the passing lanes, by, uh, you know, using his length to contest shots. I do think he's going to be a a pretty good defensive player, and his defense is not what I'm worried about. It's the offense. Offensively, I think that, you know, for sure, he He should be able to shoot it. He (laughs) He said, it looks nice. And then... Can he do anything other than that? It didn't look like it at Duke. I mean, he he was really bad analytically. Like, we always talk about analytic darlings. He was like an analytic leopard. Like, he was, like, bad. Every single stat, every single signifier told you Cam Reddish was was trash. Now, you wonder, with someone who is so highly touted as a recruit, did he just find himself in a bad situation? To me, he should have been in a great situation because defenses were spending – so much of their like preparation and their energy on stopping Zion and RJ. Wasn't he also bad field. when
2: Zion was out in too? Have... Well, he right. did. Yeah, there was the that game one winner. game. I, I feel like they lost a couple games right, uh, uh, when Zion was out. I feel like he struggled. Like I don't have his game log up in front of me. But I feel like there were a few games where he was still just like a complete no-show and, or just his shooting percentages were awful when Zion was out. Just like. Well, he scored 30 in a game against Virginia right. Tech on
1: February 26th when Zion was out, uh, where he went 3-6 from three, 3-7 three from two-point range. Also had five turnovers that game, but did have six boards. Or, yeah. So, uh, like, I do think that Reddish could have a good pro career. You know who's an interesting comp for Reddish? I think is okay. Rodney Hood, who's been one of the great stars of the NBA playoffs now, like we all think Rodney Hood's a joke on NBA Twitter. Rodney I used to like Hood, Rodney Hood, Trash as much coming as out of Duke.
2: I said I liked Rodney Hood coming out of Duke. Out of Duke. I wanted the Bulls yeah. to draft him.
1: Jason, do you remember when we were doing the SB Nation team blog mock draft and we almost oh traded? Jimmy I Butler do not for remember Rodney that, Hood. but I
2: thank you for you reminding me. I guess because that's. <laughs>
1: We turned it Thank down. God. We ended up turning yeah. it down. But I really like Rodney Hood. Why? Because he's 6'8". He can handle the ball. He can shoot. Well, Radish has a lot of those same attributes. But Hood's career has been poor for a variety of reasons. Mostly because he just doesn't really seem like he has a, a strong mind, a strong feel for the game. Yet, Rodney Hood also put the Blazers in the damn Western yeah, Conference poor might, finals, be, poor might be a little rough. I mean, he was
2: tremendous. I say, poor might be country. a little tough. Like He did have some nice seasons with the Jazz uh, I just feel like he, like just like never really got that much better. He just kind of like stagnated, which was, like, and with the the Cavs situation it was, this is a disaster. Uh, and then, but so, yeah, it's, he's been kind of nice this season. I mean, yeah, he's like a decent bench score at this point, which is fine. Like that's, and that's kind of, I, that, I feel like that's not a bad, not a bad comp. Like I could see Cam Reddish being like a decent, okay, bench guy, maybe even like a fit, your fifth best starter, like possible three and D guy like, I definitely would not be excited about the Bulls taking. him. like, I feel like I would just hate it. But I mean, I guess he's, def- he's definitely he's not a kid. Get- I don't want to I don't want to say this a guy's gonna be a bust, even if I, it looks like he's gonna be a bust. I don't want to ever just totally be like this guy totally sucks and he's not gonna be it. But man, I I would not be excited about Cam Reddish. Yeah, I mean, it could work out. Like, what do you want out
1: of a player? Like, yeah. I want someone who could defend multiple positions and you can shoot. So, Radish checks both those boxes, but the thing is, he's (laughs) just bad at basketball. Now, maybe maybe he'll be better in the pros than he was in college. I think think that's pretty likely, considering he was straight up terrible in college. So, uh, I'm looking now on Twitter. Kali is the Bulls taking Cam Radish with the seventh pick and Joe Kali's first mock draft. I don't know if Kali knows anything, uh,
2: but... I mean, he, know, is, he is he's number 7 on ESPN's rankings right now and are you have a, a number 9 correct to the Wizards I think that seems like a perfect Wizards yeah pair, pick right there yeah with
1: the yeah, Hawks, Hawks, today? Hawks I, I think wings. would be good yeah, I mean
2: yeah I mean I don't want to like I I've been really harsh on him on him if the Bulls do take him like I will not be happy I will probably be harsh on him again but like I I don't want to give up on the guy already like you said I think there's like no way he could be worse than he was at Duke. Like you would think, in maybe the more open NBA, maybe in the right system with the right development. I mean, I guess you could argue whether the Bulls will be that. But I guess you hope that his talent shines through with maybe more opportunities in a better system, or just in the more open game. Than was the college game can be cramped uh, and stuff like that. And you don't always get the time to shine with funky defenses and the offenses aren't always. You know, you never really know. So like, I don't want to totally shit on Cam Reddish, but I'm kind of just shitting on Cam Reddish, anyways. Uh, is there anybody else? Yeah. Uh, like I said, you said you don't. You mentioned Brandon Clark. The Bulls probably, I would assume, they will not go with the front court guy. Like the Bulls could, I mean, they could use depth in the front court, but like at number seven, like do you really want to be like drafting for depth? Probably not. Like, uh, is there anybody? I guess like I said, Culver and Hunter probably will not fall that far. I know I was looking at your mock draft and you had that. Is it French guy? I don't know how you say that guy's name. Like, is he an option at all? How how do you pronounce that dude's name?
1: To me, he's a four or a five. And that's like, I wrote this last year, if you want to go back in the blog archives, uh, when they drafted Carter. And so before that draft, I ranked the prospects the Bulls could select. And I put Carter as my number one guy. I'm still happy with that selection. But the problem is that like most teams in today's NBA would be yeah. playing marketing in the center. That's just the fact of the matter. He's seven feet tall. We're looking at a Western Conference final series where the centers are 6'4 and 6'7. So now you got a seven-footer playing the four. Now your next building block is also a center. So you're automatically starting two centers in the league when everyone else is downsizing. I like both those guys, and I think that they're the two best building blocks on the team, but it does put a cramp in your team building. So uh, to me, I'm going to butcher his name. We're going to call him the French (laughs) guy. The French guy is a four or five all the way. Like he's someone like if you want to player a comparison for him, like Al Farouk like high motor, versatile defender, not going to do too much offensively unless he turns into a good shooter. So uh, I would pass on him. I mean, if we're looking for some other guys, I mean, it's possible yeah. Culver or Hunter fall to seven. I think either of those guys would be okay. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. I think is pretty interesting, a guard from USC. He reminds me quite a bit of Levine in that he's really talented offensively. He's got even better size than Levine. He's 6'6", 6'7", 220, so he's much bigger. Uh, But he's got some nasty moves. If you watch his YouTube highlights, I mean, he's got the step back. He's got the up and under. He's like an acrobatic scorer. So I think that he's really interesting. Uh but the problem is that too many of these guys that I like in this draft are front court guys. I love Grant Williams from Tennessee, front court guy. Like PJ Washington from Kentucky, front court guy. I would not be surprised if we're looking back at this draft five years from now and Bull Bull is the second best player. Right. But Bull Bull is a center. He's seven foot three. He's an elite shooter, but he can't like move laterally at all. But you know, the Bulls did this to themselves by starting their rebuild with two front court guys. Now they basically need perimeter guys. So
2: I don't know. They're, they're in a tough spot. Yeah. So, so I guess moving on from that, we could look at possible trades. Like I do, not I can't, I, I would be surprised if they traded up. Like, I don't think, I mean, no. is anybody really worth trading up for to like, give them another asset to go up to like, I mean, I don't think, I mean, you're obviously not trading to one. You're not probably, the Grizzlies probably aren't trading to two or out of two. So like, I mean, are you trading up for like RJ or or Garl or Garland? Like if you have to trade up to get one like him or White if you, if it's setting up that way or Culver, like would you do that? I want to throw out Taylor Horton Tucker to
1: the Simeon product, yeah. who uh our boy Brian Schroeder, who we had on, he's at Cosmos on Twitter, C-O-S-M-I-S. Great, great Twitter follow in general, knows a lot about hoops. Uh he wants them to take Taylor Horton Tucker. I could talk myself into that, but seven would be considered a big reach for him. Okay, so there's, you know, that horrible Chicago Bulls talk account that's like a robot or something? Yeah. They tweeted out, would you trade seven in an unprotected 2020 pick for John Morant? No fucking way. No. No No way. But right now, yes, is what's winning that poll, like 60 to 40 or 70 to 30, uh, because people really got themselves excited for John Morant. I think Kobe White could be as good as John Morant. Like He's a way better shooter. So there's no way I'm trading a 2020 unprotected pick. The Bulls are going to be terrible next year. If you want your savior, maybe you get him in next year's draft. Maybe it's Nico Madden from Arizona. Maybe it's Cole Anthony from North Carolina. Uh, Maybe it's one of these French kids. There's like two good French guards. Just whatever you do, don't trade an unprotected pick to go all in on this draft when everyone knows this is basically a one-player draft and i hope and i pray that the bulls front office does not make that mistake because i wouldn't put it past them i mean i get the sense they like morant i don't know why like i have no inside information but uh we saw him at morant's games throughout the year i think that you know a lot of people thought that morant would be there were people who wanted morant over zion because of the positional pick. And that's, totally not, that's not even a
2: bulls thing though i feel like i feel like that always happens every year like there's always like if there's a guy who like seems like consensus number one you always see people like trying to talk themselves into oh it's not actually i'm like i saw like there was a column out in like phoenix who was like oh like the Suns shouldn't want the number one pick like and it was like i mean that's just fucking insane and like i saw it elsewhere as well i feel like there's always every year there's people who try to talk themselves into like a clear number one guy not actually being that guy which is like and just crazy stuff but go go on so
1: don't do that yeah. trade, Bulls. I mean, that's just like yeah. pretty obvious. Uh, just try to find your savior next year. Like my thing with the Bulls right now is like just keep hitting doubles, man. I think they made a good trade for Otto Porter. I really like Carter and uh, and I think Levine has some talent for sure. You know, in a in an NBA where CJ McCollum and Jamal Murray are two of the biggest stars in the playoffs, Zach Levine could fill a similar role. Uh, but you kind of needed to save Zach Levine from himself by getting an alpha dog, which I don't think they—they're they're not going right. to get. Yeah, like, Levine right is. Pro- I would probably
2: Levine's probably better than Jamal Murray, right? I—I like, I don't know if that's a bias in me, but I mean, I watched Murray playing on the Nuggets, and I feel like he's—he he was very hit or miss, which Levine kind of is too. But like the Nuggets also have fucking Nicole Jokic, which is incredible, and really just the rest of their team is much better. But I feel like Levine's probably just as good, if not better, than Murray. I don't know, like I don't know, whatever. Uh I guess would you look at trading back? Like, do you like? Uh, do you think there's anything there? Or there have been those Lonzo rumors out there? Like, would you trade seven for oh, Lonzo? Oh, I do that Lonzo trade in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah, give me that Lonzo trade. No
1: doubt, no brainer. Give me Lonzo. Uh, yeah, if they could trade uh, seven for Lonzo. I mean, do you think the La- no. do
2: you think the Lakers do that? Because now the Lakers are like, would no. do you think right? Because like, I mean, the Lakers are probably they got four, so now they're probably they're going to put together again, they're going to use that for their Anthony Davis package. And it looks a lot, their package looks a lot better now having the fourth pick. So like, would they rather have Lonzo or I guess, or seven to to use in that trade offer? You think they'd rather have Lonzo instead? I don't know. Yeah. I feel like, I feel I like, I think that's something I mean, we should at least explore if anything, like might as well, Lakers, well. Definitely. Yeah.
1: The Lakers are a terrible franchise. <laughs> they well, they are a bad joke. Bad. They're
2: a complete joke. And we've seen that their whole coaching search is a joke. Uh, and just a hot mess through and through. I mean, we rip on the Bulls. I'm going to rip on the Lakers here. Like there's was a complete mess and complete disaster. Maybe Frank Vogel seems like a good coach, good guy, but just how that was all handled and everything with their front office and fucking Kurt Rambis and his wife. Like, and they love Polinka for some reason. I don't know what's going on there. Like, it's wild shit. <laughs> um, I guess looking past Lonzo, another one. I, I wrote a column. at bet Chicago. Just quick re- reaction to the uh and i tweeted this as well uh would like would you trade would i this is something i could see the bulls doing i would be very hesitant to do it but if the bulls they're talking a big game about making a big step next year about being a playoff team and i think like a lot of fans are expecting that when i because david hall wrote a column in the tribune today about how there's no excuse for them not to be a playoff team next year i pushed back on that and i had a lot of people telling me like oh in the east there really shouldn't be I like there's going to be a lot of pressure or expectation to do that, which means I could see them. And I think Paxton had some quotes about it today, kind of hinting at that about how they might look for more veteran help. So this is where I'm thinking that they might try to go trade for Mike Conley, Uh, which, I mean, he's 31 years old. He's going to be making over 30 million the next couple of years. I think he has an ET early termination option two years from now, which is like 34 million, which he's going to opt in on, I would assume. So I mean, would you trade like a package center around seven for a thirty-one-year-old Mike Conley at this point? So you're going to trade seven
1: for Mike Conley? No chance, right? So,
2: like the timeline doesn't matter.
1: important thing. like Conley's a stud. If they if the Grizzlies will just give us Mike Conley, <laughs> yeah,
2: that'd be great. Just uh, you're you're going to draft John Morant. Just give us Mike Conley for uh for maybe like a first-round pick in the future. But I would assuming they would ask for ask for seven at least to start. I mean, I guess. They could try to trade for Conley if as long as they didn't use seven to do it. I might not hate it. Like if they trade like a future pick or something. But like like I could but I couldn't you see them trading seven for Conley because they want to make a big jump this year. That would be really fucking stupid. Yeah. And like I've I've mentioned Drew Holiday as well. I would be more inclined to do Holiday, but I feel with Zion now, like Look, like there's no way they're gonna trade holiday. I think they're gonna to want to at least pair them for at least one season and see how things go. Doesn't Conley have one year left on his deal? Conley has no, he has next season at like 30 million and then 2020-21, it's an early termination option for like 34 million. I mean, I can't imagine he would opt out of that. Maybe he just would because he wants to go somewhere else. But I would I would assume that they're gonna they're gonna trade him this summer. Like I said, they're gonna they're gonna get Morant, they're in full-blown rebuild mode. They have Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, and then drafting Morant to have those two guys together, I feel like that's what they're going to do, and they're going to try to get whatever they can for Conley, like who you said he's still really good. Like I feel like if the Bulls were like were close to the playoffs this season, if they actually like showed something this season, and like maybe were like one good player away from me, maybe they would be like a maybe to actually taking a legitimate jump and maybe winning a series. Like I would feel better about that. But yeah, we're there on the rebuild. I feel like that would just be not for a 31 year old guy who's had injury problems in recent years but again i feel like it's something i wouldn't i wouldn't surprise me if they did i know cody weston tweeted out some packs and quotes and how he, he thought that his analysis from this is that the bulls might try to look to trade for a veteran help and i mean and conley's going to be one of the veteran point guards on the market i'm assuming so like it would not surprise me if they at least look into it i don't know but yeah. uh yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Besides that, like I'm really not sure where else they would go. Obviously, they, they can still, they can still, they'll still have free agency as well. They'll still have that cap, 20 million in cap space about to go. Either sign a veteran if they want to go after a young guy. Uh, one guy, I guess, I, I, I guess I'll bring this up right now. Uh, I saw Terry Rozier going scorched earth this morning on like a on like an ESPN media circuit, uh, just basically ripping the Celtics, ripping bad, kind of throwing shade at Brad Stevens, throwing shade at Curry. I feel like he's basically kind of trying to talk his way out of Boston. Uh, he's going to be a restricted free agent. Would you throw money at Terriers here? I personally would not. I don't think he's ever sh- shot over forty percent in his in like four seasons. He did play that pretty nice playoff run last season, uh, but even then, he only shot like forty percent during that run. I feel like he's just really streaky. He's in terms of like a pure point guard. I mean, he's really. He, and I feel like he doesn't turn the ball over much, but he's still not. That great as like a playmaker, like I would not trust my the long uh, Terry Rozier being the long-term starting point guard. How do you how do you feel about him and I guess some of those comments he made? Love the comments.
1: I mean, basically he said that. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. Uh, you know, Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving weren't treated the same way by the coaching staff as the rest of the team. Or uh, yeah, so uh, gr- great. Lo- love Terry Rozier, super outspoken. He just seems like a <laughs> cool dude. I want no part of him as the Bulls' point guard. He's very similar statistically to Chris Dunn.
2: Yeah, that's what, like I just don't see like how there would be that much of an upgrade, and you're probably gonna have to pay pay a decent amount to get him, even though his numbers never been that good. And just I just don't see the point. Like I'd rather to see the role with Dunn for another year. That if they draft somebody here, or they sign another veteran. I just feel like there's it would be silly, but. Sounds like we're on the same page with that. Uh is there anything else like are there are any other prospects you would want to you want to bring up as options or any other ideas you have off the top of your head for the Bulls the Bulls to go with now that they have number 7? My main takeaway from this
1: is that I don't want the Bulls to try to take a shortcut. Like you could have had a good team with Jimmy Butler. You decided not to go that route. So what you're doing now is just chilling i mean you you if you wanted to make the playoffs you could do it with jimmy butler now what you got to do is play the long game uh they should definitely try to add talent through trades like they did with Otto porter i thought that was a really good move but in terms of like making a panic trade for someone like mike yeah. conley uh just to make the playoffs so that you can sell a few more tickets so that would be a disaster to me uh so if i'm the bulls you know, take the best player available at seven. My favorite is Kobe White right now, if he's there. And then try to find your savior next year because you're gonna suck ass. So take <laughs> your beatings. This is on you, John Paxson. Hopefully, you feel so shitty about this that you
2: quit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that uh, that probably just wraps us up here. That's a good way to wrap it up. So again, Bulls fall to number seven, third straight year that they'll be having the number seven pick. I guess. We'll hope that they that they can come up big again. Uh, I know a lot of Bulls fans are probably down right now, and that's understandable. Like I said, we've been down on the team for so long, and to fall from four to seven after trying hoping for Zion is tough. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, I guess from here, what's what's today? May fourteenth? We got some playoffs to finish up still, and then we'll obviously look at the drafts in about a month, month and a half, and then we'll have free agency starting. We'll. We'll still have plenty to talk about, hopefully, over the course of the next month until things really start ramping up. But uh, I think we're I think we're good today, right? We're good. All right. So yeah, again, shout out to Blue Wire, Blue Wire Network, all the Blue Wire pods. We just got another Knicks pod. Shout out to them, the Knicks walls. They're at number three. So and the Knicks are going to be a really exciting team to watch moving forward. Uh, and then all the other pods I mentioned in the know with the Pelicans getting the number one pick. There's we have a good Lakers pod out there. They got number four and the Lakers are obviously dog shit franchise that they are always very interesting. Uh we got the cat our Cavs pods, Warriors Pods. We got plenty of other Blue Wire pods, and we have our Blue Wire Buckets playoff podcast as well. Please go check out all the podcasts around the Blue Wire Network. And in terms of us for cast considerations, please go rate and review us. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all those, all those fun, all those fun things. Please do give us those reviews, even if if they're bad, please let us know, uh, and we'll try. We'll try to get better. We'll always. We, we're always trying to do better here at cast considerations. So, uh, from Jason uh, and Ricky, take it easy, guys.